A lot of stories in the news of people uh, seeing their moms for the first time in over a year. Mother's Day with uh, vaccinations ramping up and virus cases uh, falling and getting into the backside of the pandemic and all of that. But, but I bring it up because I saw this and this uh, granted is from The Guardian, which is a British newspaper, but I think it is uh, probably pretty representative of how people in this country and probably all over the world feel. Even though uh, somebody soon will be able to get together and be able to leave the house without having to wear masks, some people have mixed feelings about that, according to uh, this research in The Guardian. Some say that the mask gives them a welcome feeling of invisibility in public. So I wonder, have you, have you felt that? Have you uh, sort of gotten that sense of anonymity that the mask brings? Women, in particular, say that masks protect them against unwelcome attention. Uh, People who work in stores say they kind of like the masks because they can make faces at customers without getting caught. (laughs) When a customer annoys them or does something stupid or, you know, whatever, uh, they can uh, kind of grimace at them or make faces without getting caught. Others just feel relieved from the pressure of having to smile at strangers. We, you know, we don't feel like being sociable, and so we don't have to be uh, because we're wearing masks. So I thought it was kind of interesting, this uh, report. And again, this is from The Guardian, which is a British newspaper. But uh, I, I think it is uh, rather reflective of the way uh, many people feel. And I thought it was interesting that the advantages that people cited, uh, some of the reasons they like masks, had nothing to do with the health uh, benefits had nothing to do with the health issues. It was all <laughs> that sort of uh, societal pleasantries uh, that we like the idea of doing away with. So I don't know what that says about us, but there you go. Good mornings. I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, Auditor Jim Stasiak joins us with more about the good news and some concerning projections in his report to city leaders on Findlay's overall debt position. Also this morning for Mental Health Month in May, the VA is reminding veterans and their families about the resources available to help make connections and take one step today. And before you know it, it'll be time for summer camp. The Boy Scouts Adventure Day Camp programs return to Camp Barry this year for all elementary ages. Mark Kogan will be here to tell us what's happening with the Scouts this summer. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition. For Tuesday, May 11th, 2021. Today, it is Eat What You Want Day. Now, that is certainly worth celebrating. Eat What You Want Day today. National Twilight Zone Day. And I think for the past year to 18 months, I think we've felt like we've been living in the Twilight Zone National Twilight Zone Day today and World Ego Awareness Day. World Ego Awareness Day. I think we all know someone whose ego is out of control and they're not aware. So some people might say that's me. No, I'm just kidding. I don't have an ego. That's one of the one of the great things about me is I'm so humble. Um, so anyway, some of the uh, things most interesting and uh, buzzworthy stories... To start off your Tuesday morning, you know, at the beginning of the uh, pandemic, 
uh, there was a big uptick in the number of pet adoptions. Uh, a lot of shelters were emptied out, especially in some of the big cities, as people looked for any kind of companionship they could find. Well, now many Americans are dropping the ball, it seems. Shelters across the U.S. are seeing higher-than-average surrender rates about a year after the same shelters saw a spike in adoptions. As people begin returning to the office and resume traveling and uh, all of those things that we had to give up, uh, we are discovering there was a reason why we didn't have pets in the first place. And uh, these people now no longer feel that they can care for their adopted furry friend, and they're taking them back to the shelter. One shelter worker says the animals got used to their new homes, their new routines, and so being returned can be very difficult on them. Still, not all shelters are having a mass return issue. One woman says she credits her shelter's adoption process for that as it stresses that pet adoption is a lifelong commitment. I think all shelters do that, but uh, you know, we kind of got caught up in the, in the whole thing and thought, well, maybe this is the new normal forever moving forward and we get a pet. And then we realize, oh, this is why we didn't have a pet in the first place. All of that being said, that's the, that's the thing to do. If you find you can no longer take care of your pet, take the pet back to the shelter or take it to a shelter. You got it from a shelter or not. You take it to a shelter. You surrender the animal. Don't just turn it loose or give it to a friend or whatever. Uh, that's probably the best thing to do with your pet. But it is kind of interesting, and I guess we probably should have seen that coming. Some of the other uh, most buzzworthy... So, oh, um, the uh, big news story. One of the big news stories of the past uh, couple of weeks has been the uh, huge explosion in the number of COVID-19 cases in India. I mean, we may be on the backside of this, but in India, it is worse than ever. And you've seen and heard the stories uh, out of India... Uh, where they they are, the hospitals are overwhelmed, the morgues are overwhelmed, they're holding mass cremations in the streets. It really is getting bad in India. But here is the story that I saw this morning on the uh, Newswire that left me shaking my head. Medical professionals in the, in the wake of this COVID-19 surge in India, medical professionals are warning against one practice involving cow waste reports i kid you not now remember cows are sacred in india right uh, reports say some residents in the western part of the country have been uh spreading cow dung on themselves believing that it will boost immunity or help cure the coronavirus doctors like those in the indian medical association say this is false as smearing or consuming animal waste could actually spread disease. <coughs> Duh! That, uh, India continues to document close to 400,000 COVID cases a day. Um, they're doing what? I saw that and I said, they're doing what? Again, I understand that cows are sacred animal in, in India, but still... Who thought that that would be a good idea? Let's take the cow droppings and spread them all over ourselves, and that'll work. You know, in the one sense, it probably does work uh, in this way, because if you go out in public 
uh, covered in cow manure, nobody will want to get within six feet of you. That's for sure. So (laughs) the social distancing thing is probably not an issue. So in that respect, it may work, but uh, still not recommended. We are apparently very reliant on our smartphones. This, according to a new study, falling under the category of duh, uh, researchers from London's Global University documented smartphone use in older adults around the world uh, over the course of a full year. They found that rather than using their phones as a way to kill time, people treat their smartphones like it's their home, like it's where they live. They exist in many cases, entirely online. What I thought was interesting about this story here, and I'll just go through the rest of the story, lead study author Professor Daniel Miller says smartphone use is leading to death of proximity, as he puts it, an end to face-to-face interaction among all age groups. Death of proximity. No face-to-face interaction anymore. He says we are learning to live with the jeopardy that even when we are physically together, we can be socially, emotionally, or professionally alone involved in our smartphone the experts uh, experts believe that this is due to messaging apps allowing families and friends to stay in touch from a distance says the smartphone is perhaps the first object to challenge the house itself in terms of the amount of time we dwell in it uh, during our waking hours we have become human snails carrying our homes in our pockets it's an interesting perspective that he offers but uh, here again is uh, another one of these stories that basically is saying that the smartphone is going to be the death of society. And how many times have we heard that over the course of years? Uh, I mean, it was the television. It was going to be the, you know, going to be the people are going to sit at their homes and stare at a box all day. The television is going to be you know, the end of society as we know it. Then it was rock and roll music. going to be the end of society. As we know, there's rock and roll music. And now it is uh, smartphones. Um, so there's always something that uh, people would get all up in arms with the downfall of society. And it's, this is just the latest one. I think it's probably overblown, but it is an interesting uh, study nonetheless. About how it is kind of where we live in the virtual space these days. Just thought that was kind of interesting. But again, just kind of put it into perspective, I guess. And how about this story will make you feel as you as you're just waking up this morning and you're getting ready to head off to work. You know, you're in your shower, you're getting ready, you're just, you know, go into the office, plug into the office, another day, another dollar, you know, that kind of thing. This will <laughs> this will make you wonder what the point is. Jeff Bezos is so rich. That his yacht has a yacht. I kid you not on this. It is true. Report in Bloomberg is that Jeff Bezos is having a boat built that will be among the biggest sailing yachts on the seas. 417 feet long with multiple desks, uh, multiple decks, three masts, and so on. This thing is just huge. 417 feet long. Um... It's like the size of a small cruise ship, and it is just his own personal yacht. Alas, there is no helipad. And that is a problem. 
because Jeff Bezos' new girlfriend, Lauren Sanchez, is a helicopter pilot. So how do you deal with, I mean, I think we've all had that issue. You know, we're building this yacht, then we get a new girlfriend who's a helicopter pilot and the yacht doesn't have a helipad. What on earth do you do? Well, you do what I think anyone would do. Jeff Bezos is having a, came up with a solution. The super yacht will now have its own support yacht. Uh, And the latter ship will have a helipad. So the big yacht will have a support yacht with a helipad. All in all, the super yacht known as the Y721 is now under construction in the Netherlands at a cost of about $500 million. Jeff Bezos, of course, has a net worth of nearly $180 billion, so he can afford this. The Bloomberg story notes that the super yacht industry is booming as the uber-rich race to build floating mansions amid the pandemic. His yacht has a yacht. So how do you feel now that you are uh, getting up to start your day going to your menial job? (laughs) We're all making Jeff Bezos richer so that his yacht can have a yacht. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchak. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast, mostly sunny today with a high around 60, partly cloudy tonight, low of 36. This is National Police Week, and Hancock County Sheriff Michael Heldman wants people to remember the officers who have died in the line of duty and the officers who serve each and every day. need to recognize the officers that have passed away in the line of duty over the years, as well as uh, respecting the law enforcement officers that are working hard through this uh, epidemic and pandemic we're dealing with. Police agencies are also encouraging people to take part in the Light Ohio Blue campaign this week, in which you light an exterior light blue to show support for law enforcement and to honor the fallen. Get more on our website. Ohio has become the latest state where Republicans are proposing a significant rewrite of state election laws. Legislation calls for prohibiting off-site ballot drop boxes, eliminating a day of early voting, and tightening voter ID requirements, all restrictions criticized by Democrats. The bill would also add some conveniences to elections, including an online absentee ballot request system and automated voter registration. Its sponsor, Republican State Representative Bill Seitz, says the sweeping overhaul isn't suppressive but incorporates changes advocated by both parties. Daniel Barnett, ONN News. The month of May is both National Bike Safety Month and Motorcycle Safety Awareness Month. Officer Brian White with the Finley Police Department says everyone needs to share the road. It's important for everyone to pay attention, not just uh, bicyclists, but uh, drivers of vehicles as well. Take that extra second to check twice, really. See if there's a bicycle maybe near or around you whenever you're making those turns. He says approximately 50,000 bicyclists were injured and an additional 850 killed in crashes in 2019. And whether you're on a bicycle or a motorcycle, he says you should be wearing a helmet. A homeowner in northeast Ohio had the shock of their life when a semi loaded with beer came crashing through a wall of their house. Police in Avon Lake say a Budweiser beer truck slammed into the brick home after it collided with a car. The semi driver suffered minor injuries. Nobody in the house was injured. See pictures on our website. 
And get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. I want to make mention of this uh, this morning because uh, a bit of a programming note. We had hoped to have with us on the program this morning a representative from Marathon Petroleum to further discuss the Colonial Pipeline situation. You recall yesterday uh, we talked about the cybersecurity uh, implications within uh, infrastructure and so on. And we were hoping to get sort of a, a first-hand uh, insider's account on uh, how this uh, might impact the industry. And the company, as we mentioned yesterday, Marathon does not have any ownership or investment stake in Colonial Pipeline. But I am given to understand that they do make use of the pipeline to transport some of their products. Marathon declined our request for an on-air interview, but they did provide this statement saying, and I'm quoting here, MPC's refining, marketing, and logistics teams work together to continuously monitor market conditions and adjust our operations as needed. Statement goes on to say, as the market conditions associated with the temporary shutdown of Colonial Pipeline evolve, we are optimizing our system accordingly. We are working with customers and other business partners to determine potential arrangements in the event of an extended shutdown of Colonial Pipeline, leveraging our logistics network and commercial relationships toward keeping our customers supplied with fuel. We have in place cybersecurity protocols and governance to protect the company's information and operations in light of the Colonial Pipeline cyber attack, we have taken additional steps specific to the current situation to protect our networks, unquote. Statement from Marathon Petroleum. You remember yesterday, uh, we spoke with uh, Mayor Christina Mern a little bit about a number of topics, one of which was uh, City Auditor James Stasiak's uh, recent report, City Leaders on Findlay's Overall Debt Position, and Auditor Jim Stasiak is with us. Uh, in the studio this morning, kind of dig into the weeds a little deeper here. Uh, obviously, uh, the mayor uh, was very encouraged and a lot of reasons to be encouraged uh, by those numbers showing a, a relatively uh, small debt load for mm-hmm. the city. Uh, but you're the guy that deals with this uh, every single day. I mean, I'm you, the see, guy. you see every <laughs> every bill that comes in, every check that goes out. Uh, are, are you as encouraged uh, by the, the state of the, the city's debt load right now? Yeah, good morning, Chris. Good morning. Morning, Finley. Absolutely. Uh, we're very, very blessed. Uh, we're in a very strong position. Uh, one of the things that I, I have to look at as part of the job is how does the outside world look at us? Mm-hmm. You know, we've got a double A stable rating, which is very yeah. strong for a community our size. Yeah. We have an opportunity to make that even stronger uh, over the long term should we start on a path through uh, strategic planning and some of the other things we do of narrowing in on financial capital and directional uh, uh or the city in terms of our planning. I want to get into that, uh, but before we do that, just as a kind of a general, uh, kind of putting this into perspective uh, for for folks, because many people look at this and say, man, we're $10 million in debt. Yes. By the end of the yeah. year, we'll be $8 million in debt. But uh, I mean, that's that sounds like such a huge number, sure. and it is by most average people's standards. Where, how does that compare? Let's 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 make it like when you think about it for your family. Yeah. When, when I came in in 2011, we had almost 45 million dollars in debt. Uh, at one point in time, just our sewer alone, 60 percent of the revenue we were getting was going to service debt. We've mm-hmm. got that down. The city has a policy that council put in place uh, back in 2000, I think nine, that said we want to keep our debt ratio. We want to keep debt payments to one third of our income 
maximum. We're well under that ratio in all of our major mm-hmm. funds, water, sewer, and our general fund. And, and again, just to emphasize, we were talking uh, with the mayor uh, yesterday, this is not... Uh, and a, a situation where we're deficit spending, like the no. like the federal mm-hmm. government. It's not that we don't have money in the bank or we're spending right. more than we're taking we're, in. We're in our strongest cash position ever. I expect that to increase, particularly with the Fed funds. And the, I think the important thing to look at is is we don't spend debt on maintenance and one-off capital or the annual capital plan like a lot of cities do. Right. We only spend that on major capital initiatives. That's huge. So uh, if we, so the next logical question for average folks uh, then is if we've got the cash in the bank, why do we have debt at all? Well, it's because the way debt is structured, the, uh, the legal, uh, um, things that surround the municipal bond market. In other words, when you set up and do a debt issuance, you have to say, this is how long it's going to last, this is what it's for, and you can put calls into your debt. In other words, opportunities to refinance or pay off. What I was able to do when I came in in 2011 over that 10-year period was I actually did refunding or refinancing of the debt, and we were able to save through those initiatives and restructuring some of the things a million dollars since 2011 in mm-hmm. our debt payments and that's important we only have one issue that uh, is available for a call in 2026 and that's that the balance of that now is about six and a half million it'll be down to just under three million at that point in time so uh and and you don't because the city doesn't uh use debt to fund operations and all of these smaller things you don't want to put yourself into a bind where you don't have cash on hand right. to Right. Uh, fund is the the mayor was alluding to. So well, and hence we have a, we have a great reserve too. policy. Uh, yeah. um, was able to get our reserve up to two months worth of expenses. Right now, we had uh, in 2021, we started the year with 16 million dollars in our general fund. 16 million dollars is more than 50 percent of what our general fund expenses are. They're right about 28 to 30 million. So, so we're doing we're in strong position. So again, all of those are the good numbers. Yes. Now. Okay. There are a couple of uh, projections, as you were alluding to just a moment ago, that uh, have the potential to be concerning in terms of long-term credit mm-hmm. rating. And you cited uh, some examples in your report, um, The as we mentioned yesterday, yeah, yeah. The, the buyout of uh, Cooper by uh, Goodyear has the potential uh, mm-hmm. to hurt the, uh, the outside view that Findlay's sustain or the Findlay's growth for seven years may not be sustainable for many more you know it's it's my job is to show the whole picture so mm -hmm. so not not be optimistic not be pessimistic let's be realistic And, and the important thing is any elected official that that is representing the city of Finley needs to realize and and I think most of them do that none of these factors are out of our control how we develop this city matters for the long term. We have the ability to raise our median income in this city based on how we do economic development and how we approach the business the business cycle in this community. We have the ability to raise our average real estate price, which is a concern to some people who issue debt. They want to know uh, from the outside world. They don't they don't look at you as to who you are today. They look at your ability to pay your bills, much like a bank. Right. So these factors are things we're starting to talk about in the strategic planning committee a bit as you know i've been an advocate of planning for years and years and years but it's 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 got to be financial 
capital and directional. We can't just study the side of what we want. We need to talk about what we need and how we're going to pay for it. So what are some of those uh, other opportunities, again, as you were uh, uh, alluding to, some of those opportunities to strengthen uh, that credit rating and, and maybe offset if mm-hmm. if we do see... Uh, again, those outside uh, uh, creditors looking at the situation with sure. Cooper, or uh, maybe we're not top micropolitan community for the ninth <laughs> well, or tenth or twelfth well, year let's, in a row. Yeah, yeah. but it, it, eventually, all good things must come to an end. So, oh, I don't they believe say, that. Let's keep the good things going. Where'd that come from? Again, being realistic. <laughs> it, it, so, if they believe that that's that 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 may uh, that well may run dry mm-hmm. eventually, what are those? areas that we can offset those potential today the most important thing your city council and your administration the mayor and and all of your elected officials can do is is plan strategically in other words sit back what do we want where are we going how are we going to do it and how how through contingency planning are we going to address the unexpected right now we know that if there's a shortfall in the budget we have 16 million dollars back unappropriated to do it we need to make those plans but those plans have to include what are your financial policies for contingency planning in other words we're about to receive upwards to possibly four million dollars this year and another four million so eight million dollars from the federal government we're going to start 2022 most likely with more cash than the city has ever seen unappropriated we don't want to one-off spend that on things there should be a plan in place for how every dollar is going to be spent and the strategic plan has been something that has been talked about and debated and discussed and planned for yeah. kind of planning for a plan for for a number of years yeah. and as a matter of fact in the most recent uh, council at large race that was mm-hmm. one of the things that was uh, brought up if folks remember the uh, forum that we held with all of the candidates that's one sure. of the things sure. uh, that was uh, that was closely. discussed um, so our uh, so are the uh, city leaders uh, taking that as seriously as they uh, as they should and moving forward uh, the way you would like to to see that done I, for I, this I would, reason? I, I, being completely frank, I was disappointed last year that we didn't move forward on the financial arm of it. Uh, it would have cost $20,000 to hire an outside firm to assist us in developing that, that leg of it. It's a three-legged table. Um, I'm optimistic that we're going to move towards that. Right now, the city has gone out for a quotation for the directional portion, to go out and talk to the community, what's the community want, what do the community leaders want, that mm-hmm. type of thing, and that's an important piece. And then ultimately, a long-term, what are the big dollar items? Not necessarily that we're going to do, but that are on the wish list that we want to do uh, beyond five years, so 10 years out. What are the big buildings, the big facilities we're going to need? Are they looking ahead uh, far enough, in your uh, opinion, when we talk about the this uh I would like to plan? see us get beyond five years on the capital side right. to 10. Uh, we're not doing that. Uh, as you know, both the county and the city, you've heard about the jail. We hear about flood. We hear right. about those things. We don't have on paper, this is where we're going yet. I'm going to continue to push for that. I think we've got great people. I know Jeff Wolfser's done a good job uh, herding cats with the strategic <laughs> can- uh, planning committee. But Because we all look at it differently. Right. But it's coming together. Sure. Uh, and just as a, kind of a final note, uh, for a lot of folks who hear all of the talk about strategic planning and, and so on and, and uh, wonder, hey, they're going out and they're asking people or they're talking about we're always having these conversations and whatever happens with this strategic plan or why is this important? Because mm-hmm. some people ask, why is this important? I'll give you a great example. Here's a, here's yeah. a perfect example. Yeah, I'll give you a great example. Wasn't that long? Ago, just over a year ago, somebody approached us. The, 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 the attitude was, "We need to move our water and sewer out into a county, uh, a county 
uh, held mm-hmm. uh, thing. That that would be crazy. We have a water and a sewer system that are basically paid off. What a legacy for a community to control our water rates, our sewer rates, and know that we have the money to make the improvements without burdening our community unnecessarily with rate increases. That's part of the strategic plan, knowing that long-term we're going to own those systems, and we need to we need to incorporate that into the plan. Auditor Jim Stasiak with us uh, this morning talking about uh, his latest report to city leaders on the Findlay, on Findlay's overall debt position and kind of the big picture of uh, why it matters. Jim, thanks very much for dropping by. Oh, always appreciate the time. Well, May is Mental Health Month, and uh, the uh, U.S. Department of Veterans uh, Affairs, the uh, VA, is uh, taking this occasion to encourage veterans to uh, pay attention to and take care of their mental health by highlighting the resources that are available and uh, also offering ideas on how to get started. Joining us this morning is Dr. Chris Loftus, uh, National Director of the VA and DOD Mental Health Collaboration. And obviously, uh, Dr. Loftus, this uh, is, is front of mind uh, with the uh, pending withdrawal from Afghanistan uh, by the uh, 20th anniversary of 9-11 Clearly, America's longest war has left us with a large number of veterans who are dealing with the after effects of that war. What signs and behaviors do uh, veterans and their families need to look for uh, that, that may be indications that there is a mental health concern? Yeah, this is a really important question. The key is to look for significant changes in behavior or mood. If you notice that a loved one is quick to anger or withdrawing from family members, or if you feel irritated, have nightmares, or experience trouble sleeping and concentrating, it might be time to reach out. Another sign could be drinking more, misusing drugs, or even if veterans just feel like they're not living their fullest life or they're avoiding regular activities that they typically enjoy, these are all signs that it's time to reach out and explore options for help. And that's why with the One Step Today campaign that we're releasing for Mental Health Month in May, VA is highlighting resources to help veterans work on their mental health and encourage veterans and their supporters to take the next step. So you've got a number of ideas uh, that can, or things that can make uh, a meaningful difference in improving uh, a veteran's mental health and well-being. Uh, give us some uh, examples of ways in which this One Step Today campaign encourages veterans to take care of their mental health. Right. These are ideas for veterans from veterans on how to work on mental health challenges and general well-being. So for some veterans, taking that first step to improve their mental health may seem challenging or even impossible. And what we want to do with this campaign is let veterans know that there are many ways to take that first step towards a healthier life. And that can include creating something, reconnecting with people, finding your passion, or just opening up and talking to someone, whether it be friends, families, or talking to uh, other veterans through a veterans group, the vet centers, your local healthcare provider, or through the VA, just to reach out and start talking to people about what you're going through is a really great first step towards getting help. 
One of the things that I want to be careful that we don't do is, um, you know, we've, we've talked a lot in the past about mental health issues in general, not just as it relates to uh, the military, but uh, in general, to try and remove some of the stigma associated with uh, mental illness and mental health issues. And yet that stigma still remains. And along those same lines, we don't want to give the impression that uh, every member of the military, that every veteran uh, is you know, a, a ticking time bomb or, or something uh, of that nature. So we have to be really careful uh, not to turn this into something really scary for the general public. Right. And not every veteran has to be struggling with a diagnosed mental health condition to need help. You know, transitioning out of the well. military is a, is a very difficult time as yeah. they look to find a new job. In some cases, revisit relationships that have been neglected. There's a lot of stress when you leave the military. And so everyone in those circumstances would struggle. So what we want to do with the One Step Today campaign and MakeTheConnection.net is provide examples of how some veterans have struggled, how they identified that they were struggling, and then how they got help. On the um, MakeTheConnection.net site, there are hundreds of videos of veterans talking about what they went through, including a substantial number of videos that are about transitioning out of the military to help veterans understand what are some things to look for and what are some ways to deal with that difficult transition. Yeah, that is a, a key part of it because, again, going back to what you were saying earlier, one of the indications uh, is that just that general feeling of uh, not living one's best life. And I would imagine that that is a pretty common feeling, again, for those transitions uh, transitioning military members, specifically in that first year or so of transition where you're kind of trying to feel your way through civilian life, maybe for the first time uh, as an adult. And uh, so what do veterans do uh, if they believe that they are facing some sort of challenge with respect to that? Yeah, seeking help is the first step. And a lot of times that's just reaching out to start talking to someone and start you know, to thinking through out loud what you're going through, that that can help lead to what is the next step for you. Um, and I do think it's really helpful to go to maketheconnection.net, listen to those stories and be inspired by other veterans who have also been through what you've been through and understand how they got help. And in some cases, you know, they might've tried a couple things before they found a thing that was going to help them take that next step towards mm-hmm. their well-being because there's, it's complicated figuring out what you're going through, complicated figuring out where to get help in your community. Right. Resources vary in the community. So I think it's also helpful to be really open about the struggle. Be open that you're going through something and open to the journey that as you reach out and take those steps, you may have to redirect and try this, but it's important to keep trying. And the big question, what can the rest of us do? Family members, friends and loved ones of veterans, how can we make a difference for them uh, during Mental Health Month and beyond? Just remember to reach out and start the conversation. It can be a really simple question like, how are you doing? Be open and encouraging. Don't try to label, define, and criticize what mm-hmm. they're going through. Just really try to get the veteran to start talking about it because then that will lead to an awareness of what needs to change and what maybe should be the next step for what to work on. So really just starting that conversation and then being encouraging that there is help available. There's effective treatments, there's effective groups, there's effective all kinds of ways to get help. You just have to make that first step today. 
Again, spotlighting support for veterans during Mental Health Month. Uh, Dr. Chris Loftus is National Director of the VA and DOD Mental Health Collaboration. Mention one more time the website where folks can find those resources. Maketheconnection.net, and the campaign is One Step Today. That first step, always the most important one. Dr. Loftus, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update of the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Coming up, a couple of stories uh, about, uh, you know, kids will do the darndest things. And uh, a couple of examples uh, of that. Uh, also, a, a story here in just a moment. How would you get revenge if you found out that your husband was cheating on you? Um, one woman, uh, went to extreme measures. We'll get to that in just a moment, but this uh, first story, the lead, the broken news this morning is just all kinds of weird. And it starts with apparently a tiger that was spotted roaming around a neighborhood in Houston, Texas, a, a, a real tiger is like a, a Bengal tiger that was, uh, that apparently got loose from a home in the neighborhood where it apparently was being kept as a pet. The video shot by one of the neighborhood residents shows the tiger coming within a few feet of a nearby homeowner as it wanders the streets on Sunday night. The man in the video pulls out a gun as the tiger approaches. Uh, Fortunately, the tiger does not attack and the man does not shoot, Uh, but it's just strange. The armed man turned out to be an off-duty sheriff's deputy said he only pointed his weapon at the tiger to protect the neighborhood. Witnesses say then another man came out of his house to get the tiger, grabbed the tiger by its collar, (laughs) the collar on the tiger, and pulled him back inside. The uh, off-duty deputy and the tiger owner argued about the incident briefly before the owner uh, went back into his home with the animal. A short time later then, the same man came outside with the tiger, loaded it into his SUV, and drove off before police could uh, arrive at the scene. But wait, the story gets even weirder. Uh, Victor Sentes, spokesperson for the Houston Police Department, tells ABC News that police are now actively searching for the exotic animal after its apparent owner, Victor Hugo Cuevas, age 26, was taken into custody Monday night. So they arrested the owner of the tiger, but they have no idea where the tiger is. During a news conference, the police commander of the Houston PD, Ron Borza, said that Mr. Cuevas was arrested in July of 2020 on a murder charge stemming from a fatal shooting outside of a sushi restaurant in nearby Fort Bend County. And he was free on bail at the time of this tiger incident came up. So now he's back in jail because... Owning an exotic animal is all kinds of illegal in the city of Houston, which means he violated his his bail, terms of his bail, to stay out of trouble. So he's now back in jail, but they can't find the tiger. <clears throat> stay tuned. It's just weird. How would you get revenge if you found out that your husband was cheating on you, especially while you were pregnant? The answer for one woman, fake his funeral so that his mistress will leave him alone. (laughs) 
Uh, this story actually uh, comes from TikTok. Thea Loveridge said she uh, uh, shared the whole story in a post on her page. She explained that shortly after finding out about the infidelity, her husband went to jail. Not because of that, because of something else, I guess. But he found out, she found out he, he'd been cheating on her. Uh, during this time, his mistress was trying to reach out to him while he was in jail. And that's how she discovered that he had been cheating. She was messaging him, trying to figure out where he was, all confused about why he wasn't talking to her. So I messaged her and told her that he was dead. (laughs) With the help of her sister, Thea then took it a little bit further and held a fake funeral, complete with photos of the service. Uh, She now says that it's been three years and she still thinks he's dead. (laughs) She posts little tributes every year on her Facebook page. For the love of her life and how she's so sorry that she couldn't be there when he died to save him. <laughs> I have a feeling by going public with the uh, whole story that the gig is up, but <laughs> that is that is kind of humorous. Um, this is crazy. It happened at uh, Walt Disney World, um, the Disney Resort uh, in Florida. Uh, a Disney cast member uh, online talks about an incident recently in which someone had left an abandoned bag at the base of Space Mountain and somebody noticed the abandoned bag and so with normal security procedures a bomb sniffing dog was brought in to check it for explosives Uh, Pluto which what else would the bomb sniffing dog at Disney be named Pluto not the cartoon pooch, but the security dog that works for Disney, came in to check the bag. He sniffed it and then sat down, which is the signal that there is something wrong with the bag. So they evacuated the entire area of Tomorrowland, where Space Mountain is. Literally, all of the attractions, the stores, the restaurants, all the cast members, uh, you know, everybody was evacuated while the uh, bomb squad did their thing. So they opened up the backpack, and it turned out, turned out that, it, that it was a backpack that someone had just forgotten that was full of burritos. <laughs> and it turned out that the dog, uh, upon sniffing the bag, thought he was going to get a treat, and that's why he sat down. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <clears throat> so... The bomb-sniffing sm- dogs are incredibly talented dogs, but the at the end of the day, they're still dogs. <laughs> he thought he was getting a treat. So. And finally, uh, this morning, kids do the darndest things. Uh, again, a story on TikTok that has gone viral. A woman uh, posted about how she had discovered that her six-year-old daughter had been leaving instructions for their house cleaner. Mary, mom, uh, says in the video, when the lady who cleans my house... Uh, texted me to let me know my six-year-old daughter had started leaving her instructions. Uh, She uh, did a little investigating, came across one of the notes, propped up against her doll, uh, asking the maid to put pants on my doll. (laughs) Would you please dress my doll for me? (laughs) She said she has addressed the problem with her (laughs) six-year-old. That is a precocious child right there. That's crazy. Anyway, there you go. Kids. That is today's broken news report. Uh, This update of the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, 
of Hancock County Veteran Services, we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. Science finds that there are many reasons for your preference when it comes to leftovers. Whether you like leftovers or whether you don't, uh, researchers from Michigan State University found that anxiety is one of the top reasons driving how people feel about leftovers. Anxiety, number one, about food safety. Is that stuff in the fridge still safe to eat? Uh, That can be one of the things people are anxious of, but also anxiety with respect to spending or wasting money on food. Uh, You hate to, you have the leftovers because you hate to throw them out, you hate, hate to waste money. Maybe if you're, they say it's largely tied to your economic situation. If money is tight in your family, then uh, you're going to be more prone to uh, be anxious about wasting money on food, whereas if you're more well-off, may not be as much of a, a big deal. Uh, so kind of uh, interesting. Another issue is that people may worry about what to do with leftovers, whether you just uh, eat them straight uh, or whether you use your leftovers to make another dish. And again, it depends on how comfortable people are in the kitchen, to how big of a factor that is. Some of the other things that come into play, according to this research from Michigan State University, Uh, Many people not wired to enjoy monotony, eating the same thing day after day, which can impact how they feel about leftovers. Historic attitudes toward leftovers in the U.S. have also influenced us. Think food scarcity during the Great Depression and food rationing during World War II, followed by a time of abundance when leftovers were considered garbage. So when you were brought up and how you were brought up with respect to that, play a part in it. The current trend of sustainability is a big factor, looking at consuming leftovers as a way to help the planet and reduce food waste. And of course, and this is maybe one of the factors that people don't often think of, American restaurants have gradually over the years increased their portion sizes uh, over time, which in turn leads to more leftovers. Uh, just didn't used to be, well, number one, people didn't go out to eat as much as they do these days. But when they did go out to eat, the portion sizes were smaller. You were less likely to have leftovers in the first place. And now we've got more leftovers to deal with, which impacts our attitudes. So kind of interesting research out of Michigan State University. Where do you fall on that spectrum? Before you know it, it'll be time for summer camp and uh, the Adventure Day Camp programs returning to Camp Barry this year for all elementary ages. Uh, ages. Uh, Mark Hogan of the uh, Black Swamp Area Council of the Boy Scouts of America, BSA Scouts, uh, with us uh, this morning. Thanks very much for dropping by, Mark. Uh, good to have things starting to get back in person uh, here locally. Yeah, absolutely. Well, good morning, Chris. Thanks for having me this morning. I really appreciate it. Thanks for dropping it. by. So, yeah, we're... Uh, 
last summer was uh, was interesting for us. We had some mini programs for our older scouts, uh, but we're uh, we're gearing up for for summer, uh, very close to what we did in 2019 with some some added programming this summer. So interesting uh, last year, uh, which is probably the best word for everyone uh, over the course of the past month or so. But uh, despite all of the challenges, you had a really great year uh, for scouting. I think here it says in uh, in your notes 88 eagle scouts last year yeah so even 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 in the the pandemic we were able to continue to navigate our our scout troops and our cub scout dens a lot of them moved to virtual meetings um, but we were able to still uh, to recognize 88 young people with the rank of eagle scout on our council last year many of those border reviews where they went for their final uh final review before they were were named eagle scouts were on zoom or google meets sure um just like the rest of us, we're trying to uh, perform our regular work duties and going to school online, but uh, we're able to continue to navigate that, and we're ready to get back in person with in-person programming this summer. And uh, you mentioned that uh, some uh, dens and, and some uh, scout uh, uh, groups have been uh, actually able to, to meet uh, in person here yeah. of late. Yeah, so, so last summer we had some mini sessions at camp where we potted groups of 10, and, and uh, we kind of controlled the social distancing and, and the interaction, um, and we're going to have some of that pot going on this summer mm-hmm. but we've been able to start doing camping uh, starting at the beginning of March again at Camp Barry uh, we're really excited about that and as well as Camp uh, Camp Lakota and Defiance and this summer well, we realized um, we need to we needed to kind of add something another opportunity for youth in the community so we're expanding what used to be our Cub Scout day camp program for Cub Scouts um, which we, we traditionally have run for one to two weeks a, a year to invite the entire elementary school age population, boys and girls, mm-hmm. to come to Camp Barry, and we're going to run that program for 11 weeks this summer. So you don't wow. have to be a scout to come to camp this summer. That is uh, certainly a good news because we hear so much about uh, you know kids and adults even, but especially the kids, getting a little stir-crazy, ready to, to get back to some of those summer uh, activities and the need to get them I- involved. So tell us what is uh, going on, what programs are available. So we're going to be running our, our in addition to our traditional uh, Boy Scouts, summer camp what we call scouts bsa uh which is the resident camp program for our scout scouts bsa members our cub scout um our cub scout age kids or elementary school age kids for all youth we're going to be running a date camp starting june 11th uh, excuse me june 7th um the week of june 7th running all the way to the august 16th where uh uh, children uh our, our youngsters will have an opportunity to come to camp barry um, and go swimming, do archery and other games and activities. Um, we'll provide lunch as a busing option, as well as even before and after care. Uh, so we really want to expand this opportunity for youth to get engaged uh, at camp. And the great thing about scouting, three-fourths of the word of scouting is outing. And while they're at camp, they're going to be able to have their character developed because uh, the Scout Oath and Law, which will be intertwined into that program and, and program activities, also goes hand-in-hand with what's going on in our school systems here in Hancock County with the Leader Me program. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, a, it's a win-win situation. So kind of reinforcing uh, some of what they have learned uh, in the classroom in a fun and real-world type of uh, environment. Yeah, ab- yeah. absolutely. Um, which has always been a uh, big part of what uh, scouting is, uh, is all about. Um, now, it, it also says here in my notes, you... Uh, do have even an overnight uh, option that is available? Yeah. So um, for our adventure campers, um, for the younger, for the for the second and third graders, there's an opportunity for them to stay a little bit later one night. Okay. Uh, and then for our fourth and fifth graders, we're planning for them to have an out- overnight opportunity once during the week that they're out of camp. Okay. As well. So all of these uh, programs you mentioned uh, start in June, run through mid-August. Yeah. 
how do folks sign up for this? So they can go to our council website, which is blackswampbsa.org, mm-hmm. um, and all the information is right there on the front page to, to sign up. And if you have any questions, you can give us a, a call. Our phone number is right there on the website. You also, obviously, welcoming the uh, kids back to camp, uh, need to staff uh, the uh, camp and, and uh, you know looking for uh, folks who want to help out. Yeah, so uh, if there are parents that are, that are out there that would want to come work at camp this summer, um, they can... Uh, Obviously, we have their their jobs, but then their 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 child can actually will come be able to come to camp for free. So it's an added bonus from that perspective. So uh, what are you looking for uh, with respect to uh, volunteers? Because this is a great opportunity for yeah. uh, uh, for grownups to yeah. get to go to camp too. <laughs> we're, we're looking for, uh, for 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 volunteers or actually camp staff to work directly with the kids as well. So and uh, any particular uh, skills that are are needed uh, or uh, training that's uh, available, things like that. So we do all the training for our camp okay. staff, and including our youth protection protocols. Um, and uh, uh, so it's just a willingness to be able to want to work with kids. Part of as you uh, were mentioning the. Uh, Obviously, background checks will be involved yep, and, and all of that. You're working with kids. You would expect that. So you do need folks, uh, if they want to volunteer, to help staff the camps uh, to get signed up ASAP on that. So you have the opportunity to go through all the yep, protocols. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, yeah. So is that information on the website yes, as well? Yes, it is. Okay. The information is. So again, if you want to volunteer, you want to get your kids uh, to the Adventure Day Camp program, uh, we've got the link up at our webpage uh, at goodmornings.net. You can find it there. And uh, now is the time to sign up, I would imagine, because there's going to be, I would guess, limited uh slots yeah there we do we have have limited slots yeah so So. and and like we said a lot of folks looking for things to do this summer so my guess is that's going to fill up pretty quickly so that's our plan yeah (laughs) get that done sooner rather than later it may seem like june july august is far uh, pretty far off but now is the time to start thinking about that uh, so that you don't get locked out and uh Obviously, the scouting programs you mentioned uh, continue within the uh, community. Um, when when is the best time to to sign a kid up for scouts? Uh, again, for those this the uh, day camp uh, is going to be available for everyone, and it might uh, plant that seed. So that, that's actually what's the next part, part of our yeah. plan. This is this is an opportunity. You can join yeah. scouting at any time. Um, you can go to beascout.org to sign up to be a scout at any time. But this adventure day camp program is kind of that try it before you buy it philosophy. So mm-hmm. get get the get our young young people out to camp so they get to experience the the highlight of the scouting year, um, and that's what we're really excited about this summer because. Um, the scouts look forward to you. you ask any scout that they look forward to that summer that, that camp experience yeah um and the, they go through the meetings getting ready for that camp experience um and knowing that that's the reward so we're going to kind of flip it and we're going to put that camp experience at the beginning so they get that really that shot of enthusiasm mm-hmm. uh that will, will last throughout their whole scouting year so uh, more information up on our webpage again uh, mark kogan with the uh, black swamp area council of the boy scouts uh, scouts bsa uh, with us this morning uh and again should mention just to uh, underscore uh, the Adventure Day Camp programs open to all students, scouts or not, boys and girls. What boys and girls going into first grade through fifth grade? All right, terrific stuff. Mark, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Chris, thanks for having me. And that will put a wrap on our podcast for today. Want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program. Of course, remember more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show available at our webpage, GoodMornings.net. So be sure to check that out. Coming up tomorrow on the program. Not everyone is hoping the Eagle Creek Storage Basin 
gets added to the official pl- flood mitigation plan. Hancock United for a Better Blanchard, or HUB, that is the group representing the county's rural residents, says their position on the project has been misrepresented. They will join us to set the record straight. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.